Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by... Looking for a way to build daily prayer discipline? Seen the rise in mindfulness meditation? But not sure if it is possible to meditate in a way that's consistent with your Catholic faith? Just looking for a way to breathe new life into your existing prayer routine? No matter what you're looking for, Hollow is here to help. Hollow is a Catholic prayer and meditation app that helps users deepen their relationship with God through audio-guided contemplative prayer sessions. From meditations on the daily gospel to the rosary to daily examines, Hollow has something for everyone. Hollow is the number one Catholic app in the U.S. It is free to download and has permanently free content, but you can also check out all of the premium sessions for 30 days, risk-free, by signing up at www.hollow.app slash breadbox. My name is Emma Dorton. And my name is Christian Watkins. And we are Christian teens giving our personal insight with facts and stories. Welcome to the TBH Teens Being Honest podcast. The importance of family. Big topic, big topic. We've been having a hard time <laughs> yeah. even trying to do an introduction for this episode. Yeah, it's kind of deep stuff. Yeah. Um, especially because it goes really deep into uh, what what my family went through and our whole history. Mm-hmm. So we just want to sort of jump right straight into personal experiences with this episode. And we're going to start with Emma's personal experience, what she went through how she had to depend on family and just how that was. Yeah. Yeah. So I have five siblings, actually. I have a single mom, six kids. So we are, we are definitely a little unique of a situation. So I think just my mom, especially, she's really shown perseverance in all six of her kids and just her sheer will to overcome things, especially hopeless situations, with her faith. My mom is the most, I mean, she's incredible. Mm. She is the most strong faith of of anybody, and she's raising some amazing, amazing kids. But if I'm going to tell this whole story, i got to bring it back. So I'm 17. I have an older sister, the eldest. She's 10 years older than me. And it it hasn't always been easy. It definitely hasn't been easy for my eldest sister and my, my eldest brother, but... Uh, my dad, long story short, was a uh, physically abusive, alcoholic, um, as well as emotionally abusive father. He would beat my older siblings and my mom. Um, when my mom wasn't there, he'd go after my siblings. And it was it was definitely all that my sister knew, my eldest sister, growing up. So she had so many things to overcome. My mom ended up saying, you know, this is it, that's enough, uh, one night when he was beating on her pretty hard and pulled her out of bed in the dead of night and pulled her by her hair down the hallway. It was uh, a really hard, a really hard moment. And so after that happened, she began plotting what she was going to do next to escape him, mm-hmm. right? So she ended up taking five of her kids at this point, my little brother wasn't born, and we moved out. We had a really big ranch house. It was it was great, 
and we ended up all going into a apartment. I would sleep with my eldest sister. She was 13 at the time. I was two when they got divorced. Uh, I don't remember it, but he had visitations that he was supposed to go to, and when I was two, you know, and not having my dad anymore, I don't know if you can imagine that, but it's, it's, pretty hard so when he wouldn't show up they told me that I would be sitting on the curb and just screaming and crying for my dad you know to come but he never did and but that kind of stuff is pretty hard oh gosh but um but my mom had had her kids you know she she could have easily left without us mm. but she took all five of them and we were in a small I think two-bedroom apartment. We stayed there until we can get into the condo. But, you know, time moves on. And um, when I was eight, I tried to get in contact with my father. I wanted to know him desperately. And, you know, my mom finally gave in. And my dad pretty much said that he didn't want to know me. And, you know, at eight years old, that, that breaks your heart. I just remember going to sleep, just crying myself to sleep for a few weeks after that and feeling the sheer hit of abandonment and what it really felt to not be wanted by somebody who was, who gave you life, somebody who was supposed to love you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, of course, all my siblings were feeling that too. They dealt with it in their own way. They developed their own demons. And my dad gave all of his demons to us, to his kids. He gave us all his own inner troubles. And, you know, for my older brother, that was anger. And for my older sister, it was also anger, but it was also a an insecurity of men. And she needed to fill that void with as, as much attention as she could get from men. And it was uh-huh. just a wanting of that. And my other two sisters, they, they had a really hard time and with uh, mental, mental illness and anxiety, depression, um, suicide, cutting, all of these things, they come, they are rooted from my father, I feel like. And with me, it's hard with abandonment and trust. I I didn't get beat as a kid. I didn't get the sheer force of having to see my father cheating on my mom like my older brother did or being shoved into a closet or the horrors that they were tortured with I didn't have that but I lost my family and I was raised because my mom worked her butt off for my five siblings I was raised by my siblings and they all were kids with their own demons going through this stuff so it was kind of like um it was it was a hard situation so Mm. needless to say my mom met my stepfather and He became a meth addict, emotionally abusive father, but it didn't start out that way. I was attached to him by the hip. I started calling him dad the second that I met him, and she told me, you know, we're going to get married. I'm engaged. He's going to be your dad, and I was through the roof. I was nine years old, and I just remember Christmas time comes, and he's yanking my arm and throwing me across the 
the front room because all my toys all over the place and i'm just saying yes daddy yes daddy i'll, I'll clean it up yes daddy and he's mm. screaming at the top of his lungs at my face a grown man and i'm, I'm nine years old i'm like okay i'll clean it up right now i'm so sorry and he's just like pulling me every which way he's like you're a worthless pig and it's like that kind of stuff you never really forget but how'd you work through that i had my siblings mm. They were my best friends. They're all I knew. But they didn't know God. Yeah. My mom was was so adamant about dragging her five kids to church every Sunday. Um, and my mom just had so much sheer will and to, to let us know him. Mm. But I would go through the motions. I would do a routine. It was like a chore every Sunday. Just, oh, I say what I need to say. And I leave when I need to leave. And I go when I need to go. Yeah. So really what got me through it was just knowing that my, my siblings were going to take care of me and they would never leave me. Yeah. And I feel like as we get older, as my siblings and I got older and we got through all that stuff, it wasn't, it wasn't really something that they worked through very well. My older sister, she made a lot of choices as far as men goes and she, she made the wrong one. She got married in Vegas and... Mm. got pregnant and uh, 18 and then got divorced I think two years later and then my sister her right underneath her did the almost exact same thing uh, married in a courthouse pregnant at 17 gave birth and divorced two years later so it's kind of like it's kind of like a helpless situation when you see the people that you love so much going through that kind of stuff and, and making stupid choices when you're like, what are you doing? You know, didn't you learn? Didn't you see this? You get so angry and get so frustrated. And this is really what I want to get to is the importance of family is that throughout my entire life, they've always been there. Mm-hmm. And I've built up, I built up this kind of resentment younger when I was younger because they were making so many choices that were making my life harder and my mom's life harder, mm. you know. Did you hold that against them or? For a while, I, I really did. I really, really did. I couldn't let it go because I was like, why are you doing this to our mom? Why are you making these choices? Why are you hating on our mom when all she did was love you and care for you? And you're, you're picking this, this loser over her or you're going to run away with this dude. Like where, what are you thinking? Where's your head at? So yeah, I've been through the, the two divorces and the men coming in and out and you know, the boyfriends trying to discipline me or punish me but really all they did was hit me well at least that's all i remember Mm. the the drugs all this stuff it i don't really talk about it not because it's something i'm ashamed of it's just yeah it's painful it's just something that i don't want any sympathy for and i don't want any pity for and i don't want to be seen as a victim for Mm -hmm. it's so easy to be like oh poor me my life my childhood was so hard people have it harder Mm-hmm. And that's not to say that what I went through was was easy. It's just to say I'm better for it. So on the faith part, on coming back to that, we never realized it, but our mom kept us alive. Mm-hmm. Not with just food and bills, but alive. We could be all dead in the spirit or know, drug addicts or in jail or completely hopeless to the point where we don't even know that there is a light at the end of the tunnel Mm -hmm. that kind of a life that kind of desperation where 
in all times when we thought, oh, well, actually, I lived in a motel. And at times when you're like, man, I'm not getting through this, you know? Yeah. It's like, actually, yeah, you will. Yeah, you will. My mom would pray with, with me every night. She would take care of us spiritually, even when we were homeless or we were kicked out of our house. My mom lost her business, you know, right after the divorce. And we had to go live with my grandparents. All of it was so hard to to deal with. But church was a constant in my life. Yeah, your, your mom knew that we were both body and soul. She knew that she could care for the body as well as she could. But she also knew that she should care for the soul. Because we're attached. Definitely. And I'm glad your mom realized that. She she built us with that character of like, you know, even in the hopeless of situations, like, you can get through it. Yeah. You can get through it because you have God. Mm. And whenever it gets too heavy, she would she would flat out say like, you can't do this on your own. You can't. You're not strong enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, like, no, Emma, you're way too weak. You need God. And if you think that you don't, you're an idiot. <laughs> she she just straight up would tell her kids like. Go to church, go to confession, talk to God, read your Bible. Mm -hmm. Think about all of the things that that could help you. Because when you're going through all of this heartbreak and stuff and things that make you feel really lost, if I didn't have God, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't. That's just the thing. Yeah. You're in such desperate situations. You could fall into uh, whatever, sex or drugs or... Just lose yourself. Lose yourself completely. And I think that's what my mom did the best that she could. I keep on going to her because she's this rock of this family. Mm. She's what, you know, my dad couldn't be. So with that being said, she had my little brother and he goes to Catholic school. She's, She's doing a lot better now. But her whole thing is like... Kind of, yeah, perseverance. And she kind of, like, rejects society in a way, in which I wish a lot of kids our age did, because mm. society got, has it all twisted. Yeah. Um, you know, one thing, yeah, we had a lot of teen pregnancy in my family, but one thing that she would always mention is that they kept their baby. Mm. You know, they kept it alive, and they, they made that their priority, and really made a blessing for our whole family. Yeah. That is something that's honorable, mm-hmm. no matter how it came about. So, as you get older and siblings get older and you kind of move away some, you realize who can be strong in their faith and who really needs some work. Mm-hmm. It's not to turn your back on that, but it's just to be, it's just to say, like, I don't even know. It's it's just important to make sure that your family keeps their faith hmm. because it's the only thing that'll get them through it when you're not there. So I want to ask the question, how did you keep your faith? How were you able to take this situation, this horrible situation, and turn it around and make something great and beautiful? How were you able to do that? Well, when I was little, I didn't really think about faith too much. I didn't really understand what they were talking about in church. Mm. 
so I I just turned every situation around into excited energy and smiles and that's how I showed God whether yeah. I knew it or not into friendliness into laughing into whatever and as I got older and I realized people weren't so friendly <laughs> <laughs> you have to get stronger because if you don't they'll beat you down so to answer your question you got to repeat your question <laughs> sorry uh how did you find god or work through god to fix this or not fix this but work with this make situation. the best situation yeah okay i think i see god a lot in my little brother and when you get that constant reminder it's hard to ignore it mm. it's hard to be like oh yeah god's not here when you feel like you're looking in the face of one of the most beautiful things he created. Yeah. Right. My, my little brother is amazing. I'd like to say the same thing with mine. Uh, but, so just with your story, so many different teens are going through different things. Some also going through the same situation that you're going in. How do you stay strong with your siblings? And how do you depend on your mother? My mom would always say... Whenever we were in a fight, without fail, show God's love. Show mm. God's love. Oh, show God's love. Sweetie. Sweetie, come here. Show God's love. And I'm mm. like, oh my gosh, mom. Are you kidding me? <laughs> like, yeah. mom, did you see what they just said? Show God's What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? WWJD. Exactly. And, and it sounded so annoying when she would say it, but over the years, that constant reminder. Takes root. Oh, man. It rooted itself deep into everything, and now my kids are going to hear that 24-7. But family has really been the one that's rooted my faith. It's grounded me in faith. It's You would think it might be church. You would think it might be youth group. You may think it might be even school if I went to a Catholic school. No, it's my family. You can do all of those things. You can go to the most Catholic of Catholic schools, and you go home, and your family doesn't love you doesn't love you doesn't have a connection doesn't show you god you're not going to feel it Mm. you can learn about the faith all day every day but if you don't feel it it's nothing Mm -hmm. so my family shows me that love feel in an abundance and i think that's what's gotten us through it so much Mm -hmm. through everything because my mom has just shown us the love of god through herself she does everything for us and how I was able to get over that resentment or that I just didn't have control over any situation. Mm-hmm. That was super hard for me to do because I'm, I'm one of the littlest and I'm just seeing all of my older siblings mess up and my mom is crying and she's heartbroken or she's stressed out and it's like, man, can't you guys grow up? Can't you guys be grownups? Mm-hmm. Can't you guys just make right decisions? It's hard. Like, you know? Can't you guys just fix your ways? And I think what got me through that is getting off my high horse (laughs) a bit. Mm -hmm. Just being like, oh, man, wait, uh, hold on. I'm not perfect either. Mm -hmm. And when I mess up, they don't judge me. They don't turn their back. They don't resent me for it. They don't say, oh, can't you just do better, Emma? No. Every single time I messed up, and as you get older, you make bigger mistakes, and you realize you're not perfect you're in no position to judge anybody that's what brings me closer to god and have that connection Hmm. because if the second i turn my back on my family the second i turn my back on god yeah 
and I can't do that. Can't lose that mm. foundation because you'll sink. I'm going to give the opposite story of Emma. I, <laughs> I, I had a, an amazing family, a, an amazing supportive mother, just like Emma. But instead of sort of reaching out to her, I began to despise her and just sort of hate her in a way. I don't know if I ever truly hated her, but I would always get the feeling of hate and I would tell her how much I hated her. So sometimes as teens, it really is our fault when we mess up or when we argue too much with our parents or when we disobey. How, well, the point that I'm trying to get across is that us as teens, we can sometimes be the problem even though we blame it on our parents or we act like they are the ones that are sort of persecuting us in a way. Even if they're really not, even if they're just trying to show love, it's hard to realize that, especially if you have a voice or you let, you know, an evil presence come over you and sort of consume you. It just, there isn't any good that comes out of it. So I want to start my story off with the beginning of freshman year or the summer of freshman year. I went on a trip that was supposed to strengthen my faith and make me become sort of more holy person before going into high school so I could be strong and, I don't know, build up that wall, that wall to resist peer pressure, drugs, uh, horny thoughts, everything like that. And I went on that trip, and instead of sort of becoming more alive in my faith, I turned away. I became angry at it. I, I, I thought I didn't have to depend on this faith. I could have fun on my own. I could be happy on my own. I could do whatever I, like, I don't need God and I don't need my mom. So I came back from the trip and my mom, all she wanted to do was love me because she hadn't seen me in two weeks and she had been praying and fasting on this trip and I just shoved her and, and it hurt her and I, I didn't even know this till a couple days ago, but it hurt her to the core and she would tell her friends, yeah, he came back worse. And after that, it was sort of just a dark period. I didn't really want to talk to my my family. I didn't want to talk to my brother. I got madder and madder at my brother. And I just sort of let this fire burn or hatred burn for my, for my mom, even though she was just all love. So making that, making it, it in my mind like she was this evil person. And I began to hate everything that she loved. Even though I had the same sense of humor, I hated her jokes. I hated her humor. I would I would put her down every chance I got whenever she would say a, a funny joke. I hated, I hated her faith. I hated Catholicism. I would still go to Mass. I would go through the motions for fear of getting in trouble. I would, I would pray, pray every night, but I would just say the words. Because I just sort of got a hatred for it. I was like, I don't need God to have fun. 
so I get into freshman year, and I still, my morals aren't bad at this point. I'm just sort of developing this hatred for my family. So my morals aren't bad. I, I, I'm not doing any mortal sin, anything like that. But as high school goes along, I get involved in different things. I start getting involved with the popular crowd. Because I think that's going to make me happy. Mm-hmm. Being this popular person. Yeah. And that's that was my main goal. That was my main goal in life. Especially in high school. Because in middle school, it wasn't like I was an unliked person. But I was miserable. Because mm. I came in middle school, 6th grade... And I moved to Sacramento, and I didn't know anyone. And it was hard for me to make friends in that situation. One, because I was sort of awkward, and two, because I I just didn't... I, I wasn't able to ask people to hang out. So I... That, that, that experience in middle school sort of told me that I'll, I'll be happy if I have friends. I'll be happy if I'm popular. All I got to do is become popular and all my problems will go away or at least I'll be a lot happier than I was before so that's my main goal in high school every decision I make is centered around that goal and I succeed I become popular I become liked and it's sort of playing with my morals because they're doing different things that I know is wrong and I know that I shouldn't be a part of Right. Some things that I thought were disgusting, like pornography, I thought that was gross. Or drugs, I thought that was horrible. Right. I thought that was going to affect with my studies. I was like, well, you know, what are my parents going to think about me? But this hatred forms. Like, just this deep hatred keeps growing as if my parents are these horrible people. Don't want to talk to them when I get home. I just want to go home. Like when my mom asks how my day was, I just... <sighs> I don't want to talk to her. I don't want to talk to my. I don't want to talk to my dad. I don't want to. I don't want to spend time with my brother. Ugh. My little brother. I don't want to spend time with him. Every everything got sort of horrible, yeah. and I thought that it was their fault. They don't love me. They're not. They're not showing their love to me. My my little brother is so annoying. I mean, I can't. I can't stand him. Maybe if he changed, then I would. I would love him more. Right? And I, I was acting like, yeah, it's not my fault. How could it be my fault? You know, I'm, I'm a good person, right? Yeah. It just I, seemed like you had, um, you know, a different voice or something else talking to you as if it was your own voice. Oh, yeah. I let it in, though. Yeah. That's, that's a part of our free will. You can you know, deny that little urging to hate people and to hate your parents. And then... Uh, or accept it. That's where our free will comes in, because it's 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 our choice. In reality, yeah. even with your situation, you could have chose to hate your siblings, or or, or to yeah. turn your back on your mom, blame her for everything, but you didn't. Or maybe at some point you did, but you know, then it it doesn't do anything. It doesn't do any good. Right. And I didn't realize that, so I keep going through high school. I get involved in drugs. I get involved in. I mean, not hardcore drugs, just weed. So I was like, oh, it's legal. It's legal. Who cares? You know, God made weed. 
So I, I mean, if if God made it, He made the plant. Why wouldn't it be okay? That was that was my dumb excuse. Like, if if it, God put it on this earth, then it's it's got to be good. Because so, so I use right. this I use this faith as yeah. I, don't know, I I twisted it to fit myself to make myself feel better. Right. And I got into porn and different things like that, and it, oh, gosh. And I didn't really feel anything. I felt ashamed after watching it or, or doing something. But like while I was high, I, I was so happy. I was you know, laughing around, jumping up and down. Yeah. Crazy. Because you get that feeling, but high, when low. there's a high, there's always a low, you know? You're going to chase that high. So I, at first, I, I sort of just did it whenever my friends would do it. I still had that strong moral compass, like... I don't want to do this all the time. I mean, what do what my parents think of me? Because I still believed in God. Because my parents are super Catholic. And power to them. Um, but I just, I hated that. But I still believed it. So whatever I would do anything, it was always in the back of my head that I could change. And I keep, I'm, I'm sort of, I, I don't know, all this sort of reflected how much my parents loved me because all, all through this time, all they would do is show me love. Right. Whenever I had any problem, I would go to my mom. Any problem with with school or, or just personal life, I would go to my mom. And, and I would be honest, but I still hated her. I still hated her, and I hated my family. So, going through high school, that's that's all I did. Just I was just full of hate. Mm -hmm. And so, freshman year ends, and I'm away from these friends. And it's sort of freeing, because at that time, I wasn't really fully accepting everything. Like I said, I would only do it when they were doing it. Kind or, of like a facade. Mm-hmm. And that summer, I was just the happiest I had ever been. Hmm. I, I grew a little closer to my mom because I was doing this summer camp with kids. I didn't have to hang out with those friends because I'd be like, oh, I have work. Sorry, I can't I can't hang out. And yeah, it was just freeing, just completely freeing. And then sophomore year is just sort of when it all went down the, went down the pike. Mm -hmm. I remember sophomore year I just I got my own device and I still it still I still had that moral compass or my moral compass that kept on pointing me in the wrong directions and I would say only if my friends call me and because I don't want to do it on my own or the, then I would be like oh only at night and then oh I can do it at school sometimes yeah so and while I was doing all this, just sort of kept letting this, I don't know what I call it, just this evil overcome me. And I just hated my mom. Anything that she did was disgusting. Like I could, I did not want to be around her. I hated when she would ever, whenever she would pick me up from school. I, I just hated everything. Everything about my mom. And I would t tell my friends how awful she was, how she was this terrible person, 
how she made me do, how she made me go to mass, she made me go to confession, she made me do all these terrible things that were just horrible, yeah. and I, I, I painted this picture, like, that's what I really thought, mm-hmm. that's what I really thought my mom and were was. your friends like, oh, she's pushing religion on you, or she's Yeah, like... they were supported like, yeah, man, you need to get out of that, that's scary, dude, <laughs> what are you gonna do about that? It's like, yeah, so I just... I, I would always, whenever she would try to talk to me, I didn't want to talk to her. I was like, I don't need to talk to her. I don't need her. Because I had been so dependent on her, and I was miserable. So I was like, if I'm dependent on her again, I'll be miserable. So I just sort of threw her out the window. Until winter break of sophomore year, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't do it anymore. Because I, I just sort of fell down in my thoughts because my mom was yeah my mom was doing this show on the effects of weed and my my faith never left me i just thought i can put it aside i can i can yeah high school's so short and so i can change after high school after i leave these friends so i just put it aside but there was this book and I just opened it to a random page and it said, where does God say that smoking weed is morally wrong? I actually have the passage here. It's Romans chapter 12 verses 1 through 2. I urge you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, your spiritual worship. Do not conform yourself to this age, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and pleasing and perfect. And then my mom under, underlined a comment at the end that says, how can, you have your, uh, how can you have the pure, holy mind of Jesus if you are under the influence of marijuana? You can't. And uh, just sort of made me sick. And for days I was just sort of wandering around Wanting to talk to my mom, but also wanting to keep my friends, keep my popularity, because right, I thought you know she would do something that'll make me happy, and I don't want to throw that all away. But I'm glad that I just sat down with my mom and I told her I have something to tell you in the future. I got something in the to- tell you in the future. I'm not ready to Were tell you, you now. Ashamed to tell her? Oh gosh, yeah. Because at that point, I was realizing that my mom is all love. My mom really was all love, and I. after that, she sort of just pushed a little, and I told her everything. Right. I told her what was going on with me, my friends, uh, everything like that, and I knew that I could trust her because, I don't know, that voice was gone. It wasn't... Just like that? It wasn't gone right away. I had to go to confession... To what made you want to go to confession? Oh, I would always want to go to confession. Even though I would tell my friends how much I hated it. I loved going to confession. I loved being able to confess confess those sins of that I felt horrible doing, but I loved being popular. Because I, I, if, if my friends weren't smoking, I would not smoke at all. Right. If my friends weren't watching porn, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even be introduced to it. Right. That's how amazing my parents were but well yeah but I was 
and I think I think someone someone down below knew that my mom would be such a pivotal role in definitely sort of my conversion so just being able to spread as much hate and disgust towards that person while while he still could uh, I think that was the goal and I let that in I just just because I wanted to be popular so I ruined my family life and now I'm now I'm able to change everything I love my mom's sense of humor (laughs) I'm on fire with the faith I'm so much happier I'm not depressed I'm not anxious yeah more bold I'm, I'm able to speak to people ask people to hang out that's awesome you know, able to choose my friends instead of you know, choosing to be popular and I'm just able to be myself yeah. in general at all you know one thing that my mom told me was if you're doing something and it feels wrong most of the time it's because it is wrong mm. And, or it, it feels like even an inkling that it's against God. Most of the time it's against God. And sometimes, I mean, like, really, when she said it, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, sure. Yeah. But most times when I'm, like, actually doing something, and I'm not sure if it's right or wrong, but if there's, like, a tiny inkling of that it's wrong or that it doesn't feel right, I'm like, shoot, that means it actually probably is just wrong, and I'm figuring out a way to make it right. Mm. But when you when you put it simply and we complicate things as humans so much so much if we put it so simply it would be as simple as a sentence you know is this right or is it wrong and when you know that feeling it's like the answer becomes so clear but we make it so complicated because we have all these emotions and feelings of why we want it to be right Mm -hmm. and why when we follow the our right path it leads us to to something that doesn't leave us fulfilled, leaves us to something complicated, leaves us to hurting other people in the long run, even though we're like, oh, but it, it only affects me. No, mm-hmm. it affects everyone else, you know. If we just put it simply, you know, God says do not sin. If we all could just not sin, <laughs> like, life would be not complicated, yeah. right? But we live in an imperfect world. Exactly. So I think just <sighs> sticking by your family, especially when you have a good mom, and hopefully... You know, I, I can't really say I have a good dad, but you do. And sticking by those two can transform you in such an amazing way that if you just opened up to it, it's amazing, you know? And I think that's what's really important about family. Yeah. When you have a good one, they'll lead you closer to Christ. Yeah. And uh, I just want to wrap up this podcast. We both told our personal stories, personal insights on our importance of family. And I hope that we reach some of the teens out there going through the same thing or going through a different thing just sort of to understand that you're not alone. So many different people in the world are going through the same thing as you. Right. Sort of taking a step back, look at yourself. Just ask yourself the question, am I the problem? If you are, just work at trying to fight that by bettering yourself yeah but not being too hard on yourself oh yes and just really putting all your energy towards forgiveness not towards resentment towards yourself and um really looking for a light anything cling to it cling Mm -hmm. to that light you know it'll better you and also if you're not the problem being able to forgive like you just said 
and being able to not move past it but use it to make yourself a better person so I just with that I want to wrap us up with a prayer and do you want to do the prayer this time? Sure. Do the prayer. If you bow your heads, close your eyes. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray for all of the people, not just the teens, that are going through family issues, that are going through so many different problems, who are feeling so alone. Please put a wave of peace over them and let them know that they aren't alone and that no matter what they're going through, just because so many other people are going through it doesn't make it hurt any less and that you feel their pain you know them by their name and that you want to raise them up and you want to dust them off and you want to put each one of your children on a pedestal help them to open up their hearts and actually connect to you and actually change their lifestyle their subconscious their mental thoughts their health both physically and mentally so that they can become better siblings, better daughters, better brothers, even a better husband or wife. Have them become better people and stick by their family so that they may be welcomed back with their family in heaven. Lord, we ask this of you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. And thank you, everyone, for listening. (laughs) Again, we love you all, and we'll see you next week. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Teachings for an Unbelievable World is a newly discovered work written by St. John Paul II, then Archbishop Karl Wojtyla of Krakow, in the years just after Vatican II. This is the first English-language publication of this important work. In this hardcover book that Scott Hahn calls one of the greatest hidden treasures unearthed in our time, 13 brief homilies provide compelling teaching for Catholics in today's post-Christian world and give fresh insights into JP2's pontificate. You can get a copy of this important new book at AveMariaPress.com. Use code JP2Teachings, that's J-P-I-I-Teachings, to get 20% off your copy today. Looking for exceptional coffee delivered fresh to your door? We have the answer. Our friends at Grim Bean Coffee produce small batch artisan coffee using top tier coffee beans. The coffee is roasted when you order, guaranteeing the freshest coffee possible. Check out Breadbox Roasts, a new line of Catholic themed coffees available at www. Dot grimbeancoffee.com forward slash redboxmedia. Experience coffee like never before.